I didn't think it would be that short. <laughs> I said to him, would you like to give a word today? A short word. So he did really well. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, well, these are the hazards. We have to shut the lights off because I'm taller and it just burns my eyes out. Welcome and uh, glad you're here today. And if you're visiting here, you've entered into a, a three-part series on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And uh, last week we had the introduction to that, talking about preparation. Today we're going to be looking at examining the gifts, so examination, and we're going to add a little bit of participation in that, and then next week we'll end this series talking about participation. Now this has been a real challenge for me because this is a 12-hour workshop that I'm condensing into three Sundays. So that's four hours crammed into whatever it takes me today. Uh, to share what I want to share with you. But I think it's so vital and so important, and so I trust you'll journey with me. We, we've put some time in trying to get technology working for us. That's the joy of technology. We've got to learn how to use it. So hopefully I'm in control of things here today. Uh, but if we crash and have a problem, we've got some good people in the We checked the microphone. It shouldn't give us any problems, so we're good to go. So listen, I, I want to start off by giving a confession to the congregation. Um, I really need to come clean with you this morning and tell you about a problem that I've had in my life that I've battled for many, many years. I've pled with God over and over and over throughout my life to be free from this addiction. My name is Ross, and I'm a chocoholic. <laughs> for many years, I had a hard time disciplining myself to stay away from chocolate. And the evidence of that was very true in the body size and shape. It wasn't necessarily the size of the chocolate or the shapes of the chocolate. It was just the raw taste of the chocolate that I just couldn't seem to avoid. And my favorites were those seashell chocolates. You know what I'm talking about? And I would take them and I would hold it in my mouth and I wouldn't chew it. That's, that's desecrating it. <laughs> I wouldn't chew it. I would just slowly suck on it getting the flavor, getting the richness, getting the sweetness, getting that feeling in your teeth that, oh, oh I'm, does anybody have any chocolate? <laughs> I would just savor every moment that I had of that chocolate. Now, I'm happy to say that uh, I, I'm not uh, so prone to chocolate now. I was able to overcome that, thank the Lord. So I'm being a little facetious, but I'm very serious as well. It was a problem in my life. But I like that illustration because that's exactly what I want to get in the Christian life. I want to take everything I can get out of it. I want to savor it. I want to experience it. I want God to bless my life in such a way that I feel his presence, I know his presence, and I walk in his presence. And it's just like that chocolate. And that's how the Holy Spirit can work in our life. You know, Jesus stood up and he made an astounding statement. Uh, statement. He said in John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I have come that they might have life and might have it more abundantly. And I think that's what we seek in life. We seek the abundant life. We want to be fulfilled. We want to be joyous. But in the end, when all is said and done, our goal is to please the Heavenly Father, our Creator is to serve him and love him and honor him in everything that we say and do. And the church is just a mere expression of a body of believers who are desiring to do that. And so we looked at preparation today, a little bit more of examination. And uh, what we saw last week was that God has given to every believer 
gifts or a gift. So we find verses in the text like 2 Timothy 1.6 where Paul said to Timothy, Kindle afresh the gift bestowed upon you by the laying on of hands. The gift. Now that could be his gift of leadership, his gift of ministry. We don't know. But all we know is that when the, the, the disciples and those gathered laid hands on him, God imparted unto him something very special. In 1 Corinthians 7.7, 7, Paul said, I wish that all of you were as I am, but each of you has his own gift from God. One has this and another has that. Uh, uh, 1 Peter 4.10 says, As each one has received a special gift, employ it. As each one has received, employ. Those two things go together. Employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So the gifts are given not only to each of us, but according to God's plan. In 1 Corinthians 12, pointed in the church. Ephesians 4.11, and he gave some. He gave some. Uh, Romans 12.6, since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. And so he's given us a gift or gifts to be used in the body of Christ for the building up of the body of Christ. It's for use in the context of the church. So nowhere do I find in scripture that the gifts were given for me to edify my life except maybe one, and we'll talk about that next time round, next week. But the gifts are really for the church, and some of them will edify us as we use them, but they're predominantly for the church. So what are the gifts? Well, they're different than talents, but gifts are special abilities. They're divine endowments, so to speak, and we'll come to talents in a minute here. Something messed up on my screen here. There we are. That's what I wanted. Divine endowments. So what that means is God has put something there. It's supernatural. It's not natural. It's unique to you. Now, it may be across the board amongst other believers. Others may have it, but it's unique to you. And God wants to use you in that particular gift. Um, it's supernatural and not natural, which is very important for us to understand. It's different than the fruit of the Holy Spirit. As we're told in this text... That the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And we're told in the Bible that every single one of us as Christians should evidence the fruit of the Spirit. So everyone here can evidence those particular fruit. But the gifts are different than the fruit. Now when the gifts are in operation, we will see fruit. But the gifts aren't the fruit. That's very, very important for us to realize. And then, of course, as I started there... On this one slide, it's not a talent. Because a talent is a natural ability that was given to you at birth, um, used as part of your personality. And everyone in this room, I think, probably has some sort of a talent. You may not know it, but there's a talent there somewhere. And so once again, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not talents. They're not fruit. They're gifts of the Holy Spirit. So the gifts of the Holy Spirit are what you do as a believer. They are supernatural. They're present from your new birth. And again, the scripture from 2 Corinthians 5, 17 that says, Therefore, if any person be in Christ, they are a new creature. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So when you came to Christ, something new took place. You were transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, and God has blessed you with something that will engage you in ministry in the church. And it's used to edify. 
And edify is a carpenter's word. means to build up, not tear down. So the operation of the gifts of the Spirit can be developed. Uh, you can grow in your gift. God can use your gift. He'll, he'll match your gift up with your personality uh, so that uh, your personality is softened. A good example of this is we had a lady in our church who was very flamboyant. And I mean, she dressed in colors that would attract bees from all over the world uh, to see her. And, and so she was just very out there and got herself in a lot of trouble because she was out there. She had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And when we met her the next time, she was a little subdued in her dress, but she still attracted some uh, flies or animals or bugs or whatever. And, and yet there was something different about her. Her personality wasn't as abrasive. It was softened. And that's what the Holy Spirit will do. He will soften our personalities. And the neat thing is, is the Holy Spirit can transform a talent. So if I have a talent to, say, uh, play a guitar, the Holy Spirit can take that gift and turn it into a ministry gift and use it in the church in a way to minister to others. And then the important thing is, is that the Holy Spirit gives as he it's not something that I can stand and say, God, I want this gift. In fact, I'll be a little transparent with you. When I became a new believer at the age of 19 through Gideon's Bible, I was told by my group of uh, peers that I needed to receive a special gift from God. And so I sat on my living room floor in my trailer and I demanded that God give me the gift. And I sat there all night and looked stupid all night. And I realized that God gives gifts as God chooses to give gifts. So they can be developed. They transform our natural talent. They're related to service. They're given uh, as the Holy Spirit wills. And they're plural. So I'm trying to present to you a model that will help you understand your gift. But again, it's just my opinion. And that model has three things. It has motivation. It has um, it has uh, uh, ministry and it has manifestation. So the motivation gift that I'm trying to get across to you will be one of the gifts I'm going to really talk about today that will motivate you in your ministry and in your manifestations. So it's kind of the key that sets you out into ministry. And then God, who gives gifts, is a situational leadership type God. You may receive different gifts at different times during the season of life in the church where God wants you to serve. You may teach one time. You may uh, be a helps in another time by setting up chairs. There's just many, many ways that God will give gifts in the church. But you will have a primary motivation. So if your motivation is mercy, everything you do will be tainted by mercy. If you teach, you will be merciful. If you exhort, you will be merciful. If you help, you will be merciful. And that's the drive that really helped me understand my personality, and my gift mix in the church. So we come back then to this very important text. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are variety of ministries, the same Lord. And there are variety of effects, but the same God who works all things. And so that's really the theme of this service today, and we're going to unfold that a little bit as we go along. So let's just read 1 Corinthians 12, 7 and following here to bring in the context today. But to each one is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, 
and to another the word of knowledge according to the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, and to another gifts of healing by one spirit, to another the effecting of miracles, to another prophecy, and to the other another the distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. So now we've got a list of gifts happening here, and I'm going to put them up so we can see them in a minute. But then we come to another passage after this from Ephesians, but here are the gifts that he just mentioned. Wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, tongues, and the translation of tongues. Then as we go to Ephesians... Hopefully this is the right one here. So we're messed up here already, folks, so bear with me. It'll come. Well, let's read this there. And God has appointed in the church apostles, prophets, teachers... Miracles, gift of healings, uh, let's back up, I said that wrong, gifts of healings, it's plural in the original, um, helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues. And then he says this very powerful thing in the text here. He says, all are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? So what he's saying is, is that you may have a different gift than the person sitting beside you. And part of the problem in the church was that people were coveting each other's gifts. They were saying, well, surely Bob has this gift, and if I had that gift, I'd be just as spiritual as Bob. And that's why Paul was writing about the gifts of the Spirit. He's saying, no, that's theological nonsense. The gifts of the Spirit are given as the Holy Spirit desires, and they're given according to a God-given plan that it, he knew from eternity past how you would be used in the church to glorify him. So we read this, then all do not have these gifts, do they? All do not speak with tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? And so we have the list again of apostles, prophets, teachers, workers of miracles, healings, help, administration, and different kinds of tongues. So in Romans... 12.4, it says, but just as we have many members in one body, all the members do not have the same function, for we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each one is to exercise them accordingly, if prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, he who teaches in his teaching, he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So here we have a list of prophesying, serving, teaching, exhorting, encouraging, giving, and then, of course, leadership. So what we need to realize is that when he says there are a variety of gifts, he's talking about a distinction. So you are given something that might be radically different than someone else. And the gift is just that. It's a grace of God. It's something that's been bestowed upon us. It's a gift. You can't demand it. You, you can't sit down in the middle of the floor and say, God, give me this gift. It won't work. 
So in Ephesians 4, 11 to 13, he adds some, he says, and we gave some, he gave some as prophets, he gave some as uh, evangelists, some as pastors, some as teachers, for the equipping of the saints, as uh, Elder um, uh, Dick said here, as part of our goal as a church, is that the equipping of the saints is the key here. Now, have you ever wondered why God gives pastors to a church? That's why. He gives pastors for the equipping of the saints. Some of you are having an aha experience. You're saying, well, wait a minute. I thought we hired him to do the ministry. That's not biblical. Uh, we hire our pastors so that they will help us do the ministry. That's the biblical model, you see. We get that all mixed up sometimes. And, and we say at our annual meetings, I'm not saying we as a church, but, you know, the bigger picture, wait a minute, we're paying our pastors to do that. Why do we have to do that? No, no, no. It's we do it, and they train us and help us to do that. And that's what I love about the scriptures. Um, so here he mentions apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So what does this all look like then if we do a chart and we look at the gifts that we've mentioned so far? Well, at the top, you'll see that we have um, the First Corinthians passage with wisdom and uh, word of knowledge, faith, gifts of healings, and so on. Then further on, he mentions miracles, prophecy, and so on. Then in the Romans passage, he mentions similar but different. And then in Ephesians, he talks about similar and different. So those would be the key uh, scriptures that help us understand the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, what I want to try and do today is I'm going to focus on Romans chapter 12, on those seven gifts, and we're going to call those seven gifts the motivational gifts. And hopefully by the end of this series next week, you'll understand how those motivational gifts link up with all the other gifts that are there. My system has gone wacky on me here, so I'm, I'm trying to uh, catch up somewhere here. So the text says, until we all attain to the unity of faith. So there's another goal, that the gifts of the Holy Spirit help us have unity. But your experience in the church... Has it ever been a disunifying thing when we talk about the gifts of the Spirit? Let, let's be honest. Let me see your hands. We'll, just, we'll do a little survey. Have you ever attended a church where the gifts of the Spirit were more divisive than good? Pretty much every church I've ever been in has been like that, if we're really honest about it. Um, and that's because when God moves, people react for the good and the bad, of course, right? So in this particular text then today, we're going to take a closer look at the scriptures, and we're going to look at this whole idea of varieties of gifts, variety of ministries, and a variety of effects. So when we come to this whole idea of diversity again, we realize that it's a division, a distribution, a distinction, a difference. It's arising from different distributions to people. Everybody is a little different. And there are three distinct words used here. Now give me a second here just to find myself, because I got lost. Um, with gifts, charisma, that's God's grace, that's his gift. Then the ministry word is diakoni, or think of the word deacon. That's where the word deacon comes from. And the deacons were brought into the church to do what? To serve. The widows were being neglected, and they were brought in to help look after some of the things. They were the servers, so to speak. And then manifestations, the word that's used there is the word energy. That's where our word energy comes from. So there are effects, there are um, um, things are happening when the gifts of the Holy Spirit are in operation. 
So gifts, grace or gifts denoting extraordinary things. They're supernatural. Uh, they're things that are out of the ordinary that humanly we might not always see. And it distinguishes Christians, enabling them to serve in the church of Christ, the reception of which is due to his power, but also flows out and affects the church as a whole. Then the ministries, of course, that's where we serve and that's where we're involved in ministry, where we're, um, like the deacons, we're serving. And so that will be the ministries. And every single one in this room, with your gift, you will have a ministry of some kind. Does that make sense? So your gift will always lead to some sort of a ministry. And then manifestations, that's the operation or the working out of, the thing that's wrought to the effect, the operation, the energy. So when we identify what our motivational gift is, what drives us, what makes us who we are in the spiritual realm, and we get involved, and there's the key, you see, how do you find your gift? You have to get involved. You have to exercise the gift that God has given you, and he will start to show you. And the neat thing about this from a pastoral perspective, if you trust your pastor or pastors or elders or leaders, and you say to them, hey, you know what? I think God has given me this gift. I'd like to try this in the church. I'd like to see, you know, what do you think? If you trust them and they can be honest with you and say, you know what? I'm not so sure that would be your gift. I'll give you an example of this. When the first church that my wife and I went to, a small congregation, our song leader was tone deaf. And, and I was horrified. I said, God, because worship is so important to me and music is so important to me. I said, God, what are, what are we doing here? And, and God just put it in my heart, be quiet. Don't say anything. Now, remember I told you last week I have the gift of exhortation? Guess what I wanted to do? God said, be quiet. Don't say anything. And I just prayed. I said, oh, God, we want to reach our community. And, and this man's heart is all there, but he can't sing. And, and it's sort of embarrassing, but his heart is all there. And God said, let him serve. Well, you know, within a short little while at one of our board meetings, he was an elder. He came to me and said, Pastor, he said, I'm so sad today. And I said, why? He said, I'm going to have to give up this ministry of leading music. And, of course, I said, oh, no, Why? And he said, well, I just don't feel that's my gift. And so the other half of me was, yoo-hoo, praise the Lord. I was jumping down. I was dreaming about who I was going to call already. But I said, I said, I respect you even more than I ever did because of your wisdom that you have to recognize that this is not where God wants you. And you know what? We put him in another place in ministry, and he flourished. He just flourished. He became a whole new person, and he found a joy in his heart that was missing for him. So the motivational gift then is the capacity through which God intends you to serve him. The supernatural ability to serve. It's a special tool for ministry. It's that inward drive that makes you unique in the body of Christ. It's the gift that gives you direction and purpose in every form of ministry and service that you have and it brings great joy when you exercise it. So the bigger picture then of gifts, which would be prophecy, serving, teaching, encouraging, contributing, leadership, and showing mercy. There are a variety of ministries, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, 
the workers of miracles, gifts of healing, helpers, administration, different kinds of tongues. And there are a variety of effects, wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, miracles, discernment, tongues, and translation. And so what I want to do now is just take a little journey with you and try and define those seven first gifts that we talked about, the motivational gifts. Let's read it again. It says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to us. Prophecy, then prophesy in the proportion of your faith. Serving, serve. If teaching, teach. If encouraging, encourage. In contributing to the needs of others, give generously. If leadership, give governments, uh, govern, governance diligently. Uh, if showing mercy, do it cheerfully. And so these seven gifts then become the basis of our motivation gifts. So I hope I've made that clear because it, it can be very confusing. But if you can understand the model that I'm presenting, you know, I'm not suggesting that it's the only model, it's just one that helped me, everything will flow out of these seven gifts. So in 1 Corinthians 12, 4, it says, now there are a variety of divine endowments, divine motivations. The simple illustration of this would be a clock. If you sit down and take apart a clock, which I love to do, my problem is I can never get it back together again, but I love taking things apart. In fact, that was one of my habits that I had, was I would take things apart and save every little screw and every little bolt. And, hey, some guys, do you know what I'm talking about? Because you never know when you're going to need that, right? Your, your kid will bring something home and say, Dad, can you fix this? Oh, darn, I need that little screw. And I had one, but I threw it out. So I had lots of screws and bolts and everything, but I couldn't put it back together. But the amazing thing about a clock is if you take that clock apart and you look at it, it's amazing how many little intricate parts make up that one clock that gives us the time. So digitally speaking, it's in the computer, but in the old days, of course, all the mechanical functions. Some clocks would chime, some clocks would ding, some clocks would whatever, a cuckoo, a bird flying out. They were also different, but yet they worked together to accomplish a task of telling us the time. And so it is in Christ. Every single one of us is unique and different, and we have a gift that will make his church stand out in the community. And so when I'm talking about the church, I'm not talking about new life per se. I'm talking about the body of Christ. And we've got to come back to this again and say this, that if you don't know Christ personally, you haven't received the gift yet. Now, that doesn't make you any less of a person. It, it just means you're on a journey. We respect that journey, and we welcome you to grow with us. We want you to learn. We want to be a part of your life to help you grow because every one of us has been on a journey. But when you decide to come to Christ, something very special will happen for you. You may not see anything different. You may not feel anything different. But something will happen. And God will begin to mold you and shape you according to the gift that you have and your personality. But let me just say this then, that as we describe these motivational gifts, um, don't get confused by them. Just have some fun and listen. And, and then if you'd like to do a gift test... I've got several I can give you that you can do online and it'll give you an indication right away. And you might want to do two or three or four of them just to, because they're all a little bit different and they might get a little different flavor from each one. But it will help you understand in this whole area. And you can email me at rplues.shaw.ca and I'll send you a link. So when we describe the motivational gifts then from this particular chapter, let's jump right in and look at the first one, which is prophecy. Now, prophecy could be summed up by saying it's a gift that will proclaim truth. It's speaking forth the word of God, and it's mainly to Christians. 
It's the ability to give God's message for the hour. Think of it this way. It's persuasive speech. It's to bring to light things previously concealed. So in a general way, then, it reveals the secrets of the Scripture. It reveals the secret of God's heart. And it can also be something that is very supernatural where it reveals secret things about us. I'll give you an example. In my life, one of the elders in our church uh, had this particular gift, and, and the part of this gift was be able to hear what God was saying through him about us. And so he, I was praying at that time to go to China, and uh, I, I was really passionate about it, and I was really uh, heavy on my heart that I wanted to go to China. And in a prayer meeting one night, he, uh, he just prophesied over me, and he said, Thus saith the Lord, you will go to China. You will go, my son. You will go, and you will bear fruit, and you will be effective. I was a new Christian. I didn't know what to think of that. I pondered on it. Within a year, I was in China. And what's the test of a prophet? 100% accuracy. If there's no 100%, then you've got to question it, right? Another time, and, and this was really good, I think, from a, uh, this was a mature church where I was on staff, and the elders welcomed these kind of gifts, but they put in a little bit of a safety net there, not because they didn't trust God or didn't trust the Holy Spirit, they just wanted to have a church that was orderly and uh, functioning well. And so they requested anybody in the congregation that had a particular gift to come to them first and share what God was saying to them. And they would sort of be a sounding board and a checkpoint where they could say, you know what, that, we validate that. That really, does, that really does sound like something that God would say to us and, and we need to repent or we need to whatever, whatever. So one time a person came to them and the message was directly to the board of elders. And it was very strong and very exhortive and very negative. And, and it basically, and I'll just paraphrase it, it basically said this, you have strayed from your faith, you need to go back to your first love, you need to stop worrying so much about the finances, and you need to start blessing the congregation with your love. And it, it changed the elders. You know, we knew it was of God because we were feeling convicted, we were feeling guilty anyway. And so that's how that gift might operate that way. But the pastors on Sunday morning when they're preaching the word, they would have a prophetic side to them where they're foretelling, they're putting out there the word of God. And so today, in a, in a sense, I'm being prophetic. I'm disclosing, I'm giving you parts of scripture. So that would be that particular gift. Now, these kind of people are walking preachers, so to speak. They love telling you. They love proclaiming truth. They love declaring what is right. They often have a strong justice side where they are black and white in some ways. But there can be some weaknesses with these gifts as well. Not that the gifts have a weakness, but that we have a weakness as human beings. And when we, when we get in the way, sometimes we affect the gifts. And so a weakness here would be we could be perceived as being so heavenly minded we're no earthly good. Because we're always prophetic, we're foretelling. And another thing is could be our pride. Well, you know, God, uh, God used me to give forth that powerful word, you know. Wow, that was good, wasn't it? Uh, I once heard a pastor one time in the middle of his sermon stop and say, and he was from, from another country, and he said, wow, that's good preaching, isn't it? <laughs> and I thought, okay, yeah, it was good preaching, but I probably, you shouldn't say that, you know. But, but anyway, he did, and everybody loves him. Um, and sometimes people will think the prophet is too harsh, and there's not enough mercy in the prophet's life. So prophets need mercy. They need to wait sometimes and not always give the word immediately. So what would happen if our church, if someone here stood up 
and gave a prophetic word that says, thus saith the Lord, it probably shocked the daylights out of every single one of us. But its potential is there. The possibility is there. And, and we, we want to be a church of order. Now, Pastor, I hope I'm not speaking out of line here because I don't want to make total church statements. I'm not a pastor here. But I think the staff would handle that in a very unique way. I think, I think that uh, my recommendation would be if you sense you have a gift of the Holy Spirit in this area, talk to the pastoral team, talk to the leaders, get to know them and, and get to know who you are. Now, the second gift that's mentioned, let me just go back here and see if I can find this list. Romans, the Romans 12 list. Let's go to that screen. There we go. Okay, so the second gift then is serving. Now, this has the same root word as deacons, and it's to detect personal needs, to overlook personal discomfort in order to meet those needs, and the motivation here would be to meet needs. I love people that have the gift of helps, the gift of serving. How do you know who these people are? Well, when somebody says, could some of you help put the chairs away? They're the first people in line to help you put the chairs away. When uh, you see snow on the sidewalk, they're the first ones out there shoveling the snow. When you see greeters, they're, they're some of the servants. They just love to serve. They love to give. Those who are making coffee and find great joy in making coffee and making you happy because of the coffee. They're the gift of helps. They're serving. Uh, they're people who just look around and they know where they need to give. They can see it. They feel it. They want to do it. It's the gift of serving. And the person that has this gift has a unique ability to see the practical side of the life of the church. The person with the prophecy or the prophet may be so geared into foretelling truth that they miss that sometimes. And they might be the last one to come and move a chair, but that doesn't mean they're any the less. It just means their gift is a little bit different. And so the person with this helps thing would uh, stick up for others. They, they would uh, look out for everyone else around them. And the weakness for them is they often are overworked and they have burnout. And also sometimes they um, neglect themselves because they're so busy in the lives of other people. And sometimes they can even feel pushy. I'll give you an example. Uh, I had one lady who I really believe had this gift of helps. And uh, there was a tragedy in the home. And she came into the home and she just took control. Um, there were four kids involved. The mom had just been making supper when a tragedy took place. And she just came in, she took control, and she was feeding the kids, she was making more meals. And then she came back the next day and started cleaning the house. And word got back to us that the family was kind of offended by that because they, she wasn't sensitive. And they really didn't want her there. They wanted just their family there. And so that would be an example of the gift of helps being out of balance, is her heart was right, her motivation was right, but she didn't do it the right way. The next gift would be the gift of teaching. Now, this is clarifying truth. And the gift of teaching is a little bit different than the gift of prophecy. Although prophecy has a part of it proclaiming the truth, and of course, you'd have to be able to tell the truth from the word, but teaching is clarifying the truth. And the motivation here is to search out and validate the truth that's presented. How do you know a person that has this gift? There are people who love to do in-depth Bible studies. There are people who love to get into the depth of it. To, to spend lots and lots of time dissecting the words, looking at different parts of it, and, and teaching it. And their motivation is to validate truth. So everything they do will be to validate truth. 
Um, and that's, the, that's their strength. But their weakness might be boasting in their knowledge. Their weakness might be they're more interested in facts than they are about helping people. The next gift is the gift of exhortation. That literally means to call to the side, to urge, or to pursue a course of conduct. Personal counseling would fit into this whole area of exhortation. And the motivation is to stimulate the faith of others. The motivation would be to move people forward, not backwards. The person has a strong desire to see people mature in Christ. Um, they have a keen ability to sense what's going on in that person's life. And they're sometimes able, especially if you link up the other gifts of word of knowledge, word of wisdom, they're able to see into the picture beyond human things and give advice or direction that the Holy Spirit would be leading and giving. So insight can come to this person as well. Um, the weakness of this person is they're often misunderstood by people thinking that they are just simplifying the problem too much. So an example of that would be, and, and I'm not saying that this has happened, but just an example would be, say, the person with exhortation, someone comes to them and they explain the situation, and God gives revelation to them, well, here are the direct areas that need to be changed in this situation so that it would be better. And I say, well, wait a minute, don't I have to have six years of therapy? I don't know, but here's what I think God is saying. Why don't you try this and see if this changes things for you? We call that kind of today short-term, short, -term, short uh, solution focused counseling, but, but it's where you're just able to see into the picture and God gives the wisdom to know how to help that person. So that person would be uh, working in that particular way. But the weakness could be their pride. The weakness can be discouragement. Because if you have this gift of exhortation and you really feel strong that this is what the Lord is saying, this is where God is leading and people don't follow it, it can be very discouraging. The next gift is the gift of giving. I love this gift. I wish I had this gift some days. But here the motivation is to entrust personal assets to the others for the furtherance of ministry. In other words, it's, it's organizing your own personal life, your business life, whatever, so that you can give more. And when you give more, you give hilariously. You give excitedly. You give with passion. You give with great joy. Anybody ever heard of Laterno? He was a multi-billionaire, I'm suspecting. He lived on 10% and gave away 90%. He had a passion just to give. His heart was there. And usually it's a desire to give unnoticed. Ray Nelson from our community was a man who I believe had that gift of giving. He was very generous and very quiet. When I first came to Lloydminster in 1992, I was sitting in McDonald's, and this short little man with white hair came over and looked at me, and he said, hey, uh, you're the new Alliance pastor, aren't you? And I said, yes. And he said, oh, that, can I sit down? I said, well, sure, sit down. I didn't have a clue who this guy was. And we chatted for a while, and then at the end he said, you know, you guys are planning a church uh, come by my store. I've got uh, 250 chairs I want to give you for your new church plant. I was flabbergasted. Who is this guy? I want to get to know him. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and, and you know what? When he got up from the table, he handed me a check for $500, and he said, I want your family, Pastor, to have a really nice Christmas. Blew me right out of the water. But that was his heart. He's gone now. He's with the Lord. 
And I honor him by saying that. But that was his, that was his heart. He, was a, he had the gift of giving, I think. I remember the story of a man who was making a dollar a week. And he was complaining to his pastor saying, you've got to have more than this. Can you pray that God will bless my business so I can get more than this? I'm just exaggerating a little. And so the pastor prayed, and well, pretty soon, over a length of time, he was making $500 a day, and they just kept increasing, increasing, increasing. And then one day he said to the pastor, he said, Pastor, I'm getting a little concerned here. I'm making all this money, but I have to give back all this to the government. Uh, I'm not very happy about this. And the pastor said, well, we can pray to reduce your salary again. <laughs> Case closed. No more discussion. So the gift of giving is a very special gift, and we're all called to give, but this gift is above and beyond what's natural. This person will really have a heart for giving. You know what? I want to be transparent with you. The sad part in the church today is that it's called the Pareto Principle in business. 20% give 80%. 20% do 80%. And that's a sad part of the church. Um, when I was pastoring, I used to have my treasurer tell me what giving units were in the church. I didn't want to know names because that was between them and God, but I wanted to know how many giving units we had. And then you take those giving units and say, okay, if they're full-time workers, probably this would be an average giving gift. And, and I was almost dead on with the 2080. It was almost like 20% of the congregation, whoever they were, were carrying 80% of the load. And we find that in, in ministry, too. It's 20% of the congregation that's doing 80% of the work. And I've always said, where, where is everyone else? What are we doing? We're missing out on such good blessing of God when we serve him in the local church. Now, the next one is leadership. That's administration or ruling. And the motivation here is to coordinate the activities of others for the achievement of common goals. This person can lead. They can visualize. They can get you on board and get you excited about what they're doing and, and, and bring you in. And, and they steer the ship. It's, a, it's like the administration of a large ship where they're steering it. The weakness of this, of course, is, is that they put the organization ahead of the organism where they're so wanting to have control and so wanting to have things go that they neglect some of the things in the body. So that's a weakness there. Then the last gift, and I'm hurrying along here because I know this is a lot of stuff to take in and I, I, I'm sorry for so much, but the last gift is mercy. And its motivation is to identify with and comfort those in distress, to feel empathy for the misfortunes and miseries of others, to be mentally and emotionally connected to people. This person understands genuine love and often gets hurt because of their sensitivity. Um, people don't mean to hurt the gift of mercy, but they get hurt because they're very sensitive emotionally. They have concern for the physical, mental joy of the people around them. They're always there when you're hurting. They always seem to have just a gentleness about them. And the weakness for them is they just get too emotionally involved sometimes. Um, their pride could get in the way. Um, they begin to become enablers. See, if you put the human to all of this, it distorts what God's good gift is. So what do we have then? I want to show you a slide here as I wrap up now. I'll just find it here. We have to ask the question, what do we need in the church? Here's what we need in the church. Let's go through this fairly quickly. We need prophecy. We need well-prepared messages exposing sin and proclaiming righteousness and warning of judgment to come. 
We need teaching that will give us a disclosure of future events from the word. We need to be able to consider what we need in our church, what drives us, what's right and wrong. Uh, we need discernment for every step we take. We need servers. That's what we need. Practical assistance to encourage and to help fulfill the responsibilities that God has given us. We need teachers who will give us in-depth Bible studies with special emphasis on the precise meaning of words. That's so important in studying your Bible. Check the words. God's given us words for a reason. The gift of exhortation or um, care, you know, counseling, caring, those sort of things. Personal counseling and encouragement for each member to assist him or her applying scriptural principles in their daily living. We need givers, generous programs of financial assistance to missionaries and other ministries. We need administrators to help us have smooth running organization. You know, there's a verse in Corinthians that talks about God is not a God of disorder. God is not a God of, of disorder. He's a God of, um, of uh, order. And then mercy, special outreach and concern for the precise and varying feelings of individuals with the readiness to meet their needs. Now, what would this look like as I close? Well, let's have some fun. This person is sitting in a restaurant and they drop their dishes. The gift of prophecy comes along and says, that's what happens when you're not careful. Their motivation is to correct their life. The gift of serving comes along and says, oh, let me help you clean that up. Their motivation is to fulfill a need. Exhortation, next time, let's serve the dessert with the meal. Their motivation is to correct the future. Teachers, their re the reason that it fell on the floor is that it was too heavy on the right side. Their motivation is to discover why it happened. Giving, hey, I'll be happy to buy us another dessert. Don't worry about it. It's okay. The motivation is to give to a tangible need. Mercy, oh, don't feel too bad. I, it could have happened to anybody, and the motivation there is to relieve their embarrassment. Administration. Hey, Jim, you get the mop, Sue, uh, you, you fix some new dessert for them. It just takes control. You see those people often. Their motivation is to achieve the immediate goal of the group. Let's look at it another way. Here in the hospital, the prophet says, I do hope that this experience will help you trust in God more. We hope to see you back in church soon. <laughs> the server says, hey, I went by and mowed your lawn, and I have brought along my shaver to give you a fresh shave. The exhorter says, I know that you will be up and around in no time. A little surgery can't hold you down. The teacher says, hey, I did some research on this illness, and I believe I explained to you what just took place. The giver comes in and says, hey, I brought you some fruit and picked up a book from the bookstore. Gift of mercy says, I can't begin to tell you how I felt when I heard you were undergoing surgery. How do you feel right now? And then the leader says, I checked with the nurses, and they're going to move your bed to the window and see that your flowers are watered. You see, friends, there are a variety of motivations, there are a variety of ministries, and there are a variety of manifestations. So next week, we'll talk more about participation, and we'll look at the manifestation gifts and what they look like and where they fit into the church. Thank you for being so patient. God bless you. Let's pray. Father, thank you.